0: Hello, good morning and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Weighed In podcast, of course. Coming to you on Monday, you know the drill by now. We're going to be looking back at the last week in horse racing, good performances on the track, news stories as well. And we've got Footsteps to the Festival, covering a couple of races in anti-post form ahead of Cheltenham. And I'm joined, as always, by Tony Calvin and Brendan but We have Dave Ord back because Kevin Blake is on his jolly holidays. Dave, how are you? A joy to have you back on. You made the cut again. I
1: know. Brilliant. Thank you, Vanessa. I never thought I'd be Kevin Blake's body double, but I finally found my, my <laughs> role in life. I mean, Kevin may well take legal action now. This could be helpful. Yeah. delighted to be back.
0: And aren't you thriving in that role as well, Dave? I love to see it. Love to see it. Uh, Brendan, how are you getting on over there? You're back home, I see. Back home,
2: uh, only good things to report. Fierce smile. grand Elf stretch in the evenings. Summer is on the way.
0: Grand old stretch in the evening. Love that. Um and T C, how was your weekend?
3: Yeah, yeah, very quiet. Very quiet. I've I felt for you when uh, your Ascot boss, boss, is bad, just got chinned at uh oh,
0: Saturday. Didn't I I was really starting to get that raw home because of course he's I mean, the details, he'll be into his third year of a four year partnership deal with Ascot. And, you know, he's had plenty of runners there. Oh, I know, my heart went out to him as well. Yeah. The way in which he travelled, is he a monkey that horse or not? To yeah, I'd like to say,
3: the irony of him getting beaten in first-time headgear wasn't lost on
0: me.
3: <laughs> I'll, leave the, I'll leave the joke there.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah, please do, please do, because I love that job and I love Dave. <laughs> um Right, guys. Before we go any further, quick update on Rachel Blackmore's Serial Winners Fund, which of course has been going strong throughout the season. It is now up to 170,000 following a couple of winners over the weekend for Rachel. So that is great, and of course this money rising all the time right up until National Day. And of course the funds are going to be split between the Irish injured jockeys and the injured jockeys fund uh, over here in England. So um, terrific effort from Rachel, and yeah, we're at 170k. So that is brilliant for her. She had a couple of winners at the weekend, and that can take us straight in to weekend review territory. Um, I think it's only right that we start off with the big race of the weekend at Ascot. Of course, the Ascot Chase won by Pick Dory um, under this kind of terrific ride. Dave, I'll, I'll give you the pleasure of starting off with this, I think. Uh, all credit to Harry Cobden here. Of course, he was coy. Beforehand, about his tactics in this race, which I loved, it adds to a bit of like sporting drama, I think. And this horse, hell of a performance! But I think the man in the saddle deserves all the plaudits here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was a wonderful ride, wasn't it? He said he thought he'd be taking the lead from both Long Presse and Ahoy Senyon. I mean, the thing was that if you looked at long Presse going in there, it was odds on uh, early on in the week, drifted out to odds against. So he only had like four or five pounds in hand. On time for ratings, a peak long person. Well, that disappeared in the first four strides of the race. I mean, you've got you've got Peak Derby Abby Cobden take seizing the initiative, grabbing five or six lengths as the others were were standing still, and he was never to see another horse. Was he? It was a wonderful ride, wonderful round of jumping as well. There's only that fleeting bit sort of four three out where he thought maybe they were going to close up a little bit, but away you went. Look, Peak Derby can be deadly around got He didn't need the helping hand, but he got one and a fantastic ride too from Cobden.
0: Yeah, it was brilliant to watch. And Brendan, of course, I nearly texted into the group, but I thought Brendan will be getting enough enjoyment out of this already, being chairman, front centre of the Harry Cobden uh, fan club. He must have got a kick out of that. Yeah, new hashtag. I hadn't talked
2: about the Cobden, it turns out, but that's oh. Yeah, uh, that difference was. I mean, the man, the, the, the man, I don't want to keep going on about him, but the man, the man is just an artist. In many ways, this was a three act <laughs> play. Appropriate for, for, for an artist, a performer. Steals the few, few lengths at the start. The horse wing fences. He is normally a brilliant jumper. I thought in the sort of middle stages of the races, his jumping did go a bit squiffy, um, which, which was slightly surprising, but then turns into the straight. And no sense of, oh, I have this one now. I'll just shorten me in and uh, try and make sure that the stride was there at the last two fences. And he just let him go, trusted the horse's jump and trusted himself because aesthetics matter, Vanessa. They they, they matter when you're an artist like Nicoy e. Compton. And it was a, be- a beautiful thing to watch uh, in terms of low press. Well, the jockey, I mean, I suppose Tony uh, did I suppose he did back him. He, it was ridiculous not to, to give the lengths away at the start. Of course, it was. I mean, Richard Hoyle's referenced this in, in his commentary. He seemed shocked. Uh, but. I suppose, from the point of view of, of, of long press, he's just not as effective going right handed. As we know, he's inclined to put in that extra step just to make sure. And the jockey didn't seem minded to stop him doing that. So, I mean, it's, it, it, obviously, punters have backed him. He's a favourite for the race. It's a grade one chase. But I suppose over that trip, it was really a prep for Cheltenham. So he probably didn't lose a whole pile in defeat.
0: Yeah, I, what what's your take on that, TC? Obviously, not only just the sort of ride that Harry gave the horse, but the pace at which he went, the lengths he gave away at the start. Did did the lads in behind miss a trick here? Like, what what's your take on this?
3: Yeah, I've I, I've got a different take than I hadn't heard any kind of like I know McCoy apparently on ITV said something about the uh, the rides on the second or third, but I've got a bit of a problem uh, with this, and I'm, I'm not taking anything away from 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 Compton or the winner because you know they, they rode they rode an exemplary race as they were as you know as as unfolded. But he yeah. was really curious. I mean obviously there was a lot of money for Pig Dory and um he actually went a favour a bit for SP. Now my problem is that there was a the in the ITV interview after the race uh, when Compton was coming back in and fair play to Luke Harvey he actually said to um you know, because obviously the easy lead was was not entirely predictable. It was in the bay, but it wasn't wasn't pre race. No. Michael so Luke Harvey said to Harry Cobden, Did you expect that I'll I'll get it down here, but did you know what uh, Charlie Joyce was planning to do? Uh and did you know this beforehand? Now Cobden was a little bit coy here, but um he actually said when I woke up at seven o'clock I thought I was going to take a lead from Charlie and Derek. And he said, but when I got to the track later in the morning, I sensed there wasn't a great um, deal of pace on. Now, what changed there? Presumably, he spoke to the other jockeys. I mean, I don't know, but it'd be naive to think that they didn't discuss this because obviously, a hoist and your, he's an habitual front runner. But I know he was sitting second behind, uh, behind uh, the little whacker. Previously in the Cotswold Chase, but all these other runs go from the front. Yeah. Um, Pick Dory has made the running on a few occasions before, but he wasn't, I didn't have him as the leader. I, I and you're the leader. And obviously, long Prese hey, stepping down a trip, you'd think he was going to press the pace. So I've got, I've got, I would like the BHA to ask questions there about why. About, about about actually how that transpired, that you know, that change of heart. You know, you thought you're gonna sit third, but when you get to the track, all of a sudden you're making the pace. Now, that seems to permeate down into the bear because every, anybody who bets on BetFair knows, or anybody who bets seriously knows. And I actually contact I had put something on Twitter yesterday and someone contacted me afterwards. And he just says, you know, the the market always knows when there's gonna be a change of tactics. He said, you know, the the, the leaders always backed. And he said, you know, and, and all the drifters always going to be held off, off the pace. Now, in another jurisdiction, questions would have been asked about a hoisin um, you know, sitting in third. I mean, as you saw him lining up at the start, it was like, it was clear. It was Pictori, long press A, uh, a hoisin yours, puzzling, and sail away the outsider. And like I said, all the all the money was for Pictori. And when when you get a change of tactics, you know, I think questions should be asked about how that came how that came about. Now, like I said, I'm not naive enough to think it goes on in every way room, in every day of the week. And I don't do you if you remember, Lily Pynchon made this point in the Daily telegraph uh, a few weeks ago. She said one of one of the downsides of women having different changes to men is they don't get they're not involved in the pre-race discussions about pace, etc. And obviously we had don't go down by, you know, Patrick Mullins you know, at Limerick as well. So I just think the BHE should at the very least look into this. Now, you know, if, like I said, I take nothing away from Cobden and I like the idea of jockeys being, you know, playing on their own initiative. If you remember, State of Rest was back down from nines to fives on the show when when making all unexpectedly in the Prince of Wales in 2022. Now, clearly, someone knew that beforehand, but that might have just been the owners instructing him to make, a, to, to make a difference in the 500 race. But I just think here it should be incumbent on the BHA to ask questions about that, because even though he didn't say it directly, Harry Cobden suggested that something happened between him waking up and him riding in the race that suggested he was going to not sit third, but he was going to make the pace and make an uncontested easiest lead, which he took full advantage of. But
2: isn't it the case, though, that, <clears throat> excuse me, in those other jurisdictions, they know that jockeys talk to one another. So you actually have to reveal a change of tactics before the race. That's my
3: understanding, and yeah. I'm right. afraid yeah. So you, you also, really have Sorry, I was, yeah, but sorry, I, I'll let you, sorry, I'll let you finish. Just, what, just, but, but no, Justin, you,
2: you, you would have to bring that in. Wouldn't You can't stop jockeys talking to one another in the way room. You would have to bring that in as a policy. Then maybe that's something the BHA want to bring in, I, I, I don't know uh, if it's workable in Australia, I suppose it could be workable in other jurisdictions,
3: but whether they have the appetite it, sure I don't know. No, I got, I say I'd say I, I, I just would like him to ask questions. He's like, Eddie, like we always say about stewards inquiries, I'd like the questions to be asked a lot more than they, are, they have done, because if you start asking questions, Jockey might think twice. I mean, Australia, I'm not sure about Australia, but I asked someone who's well-versed in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, They have to tell you if there's a change in riding tactics. And and this probably attributes more to a horse and yours ride than it does to Dory's ride, because Dory's made the running before, but a horse and yours never sat that far off it over over fences. Now, in Hong Kong, you have to tell about a change in riding tactics, and apparently, this is not only told to uh, to the authorities, it's actually relayed to the public on course as well. So... I wouldn't go that far, but I'd just like more questions. to be. I thought it was unsatisfactory for the betting presumably to know beforehand Victoria was going to make the runny. And like I said, the way they just lined up at the start, he was like, here's three lengths, go six lengths or eight lengths clear, and we won't get near it. It was as if, and this is probably going a bit too far, but I, I it was as if a 175 grand grade one race was used as a as there's a Cheltenham prep for the second and third and I didn't think it was a great look for all for all fair play to Nichols and Cobton and and uh, etc for actually to actually bagging what proved to be an easy massive pot. But
2: well, that's a fair point I didn't realise I no, look back the Pictorias are nearly eight hundred thousand. So there's uh there's gold the in them prep races, isn't there?
0: <laughs> I I kind of yeah it's, it's... It's interesting that that's TC's read on it. It kind of wasn't my read on it, but obviously the betting angle does kind of change that somewhat. But I really did point. Sorry, sorry were you surprised that he drifted, TC, given it's his second run back
1: after four, uh, one run after 400 days off. It's quite quick. He's down to two and a half. He's it's, it's going right-handed. He's not being tipped up. There's loads of people would not pick The drift itself didn't particularly surprise me. It's obviously when you get when you get money for
3: Pick everything else have to has to drift. And there was money for a horse in you as well, but obviously nearly off, especially when you see him line up as it were, I think he went from about 2.74 to 2.6 bet for SP in the in the final corner kind of like minute or so. So if you knew how the race was gonna pan out from a from from a from a pace angle, you can see why. Victoria was back to long press is that it's kind of like the person I spoke to after I tweeted something it said he said it's he said it's inside information which is not which is not available to the whole betting public and I'm I'm not making a, a big thing about it, but I'm surprised more wasn't made of it, but then again okay Cobb was alert was alert to this so yeah. and he did ask the question.
0: OK, well, we've got to move on anyway. We'll stick with Ascot just momentarily because we did also, it was a good day for uh, the Paul Nicholls team, actually an even better day for Ben Pauling's operation. But Paul Nicholls did have a double on the day with three under through five winning the Swindling Handicap chase over the three miles, being cut to 25 to one for the Grand National, Dave. Um, do you see him as a national horse, I suppose, is the is the outright question here? Yeah, I think you, you
1: could do, couldn't you? I mean, he's got to get in now, whatever get goes up for that. Mm-hmm. We're on set, we'll get them in there, and there's only 34. Can to do it this year? Is he, he's in good hands, he's consistent, staying out the chase, so he, he gets into good with him with his jumping. Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't be the number one on my shortlist, but if I owned him, I was fortunate enough to be on him. I would certainly be dreaming of it, and he's, he's right to have a shot at it this year now.
0: Yeah, and obviously national weights are tomorrow. I think that lunch, isn't it? I think that lunch is tomorrow. Are you going, Dave? Yeah, I didn't like um, that. I, I did, not I, did, I saw, I've handed my invite on to a colleague because... no. Oh.
1: It's- I know. I've got to an age now where lavish lunches tend to take a toll. So <laughs> I, I, the new generation come through and experience it.
0: Love that. Love that. Um, That's very kind. You know, just like helping a helping hand to that younger generation. I like it. I think people
1: and- say well, buddy, We do. We Well, it's always there. It is a fabled lunch, Dave. Would you need a pacey metabolism to digest it? That's the story. It just it goes it, it goes on so long, but honestly you sit you sit down and you you're at the table for about five hours by the time it's finished. It's,
0: Your hips start to hurt, Dave. It does. After. It's my Yeah, I can imagine. a Liverpool, Dave.
1: It is, yeah, it is. Which I do agree with. It's a race that belongs to Liverpool. I think that's one of the great things they've done in recent years with that national.
0: Love it. Um if we're talking about national, Brendan, then you can either add any thoughts in in regards to three under three five, but also we had the Punchestown Grand National trial as well, which was won by Team Gordon Elliott was where it all began. He's been cut to 50 to one for the Grand National itself, but talk of him going to the Irish Grand National instead, I believe.
2: Yeah, well, he would seem more likely to get into the Irish National. I mean, this was a dour staying performance. I don't, I don't know what the handicapper is going to do. It'd be an interesting little test for for, 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 for the national weights because he was 123 there yesterday. He's beaten a very well backed, potentially very well handicapped horse of Winnie Mullins by 16 lengths, but the ground. I mean, it was it really was tough going there. So. If I had to guess, he's over 123. I suppose he has to get eight pounds. That'd be 131 in Ireland. But it's still some leap to get him up to. Well, I mean, what would you need to get into the national? 143, 144, something like that. So I'd I, 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 he's not going to get into, into, into the national. And um, yeah, I'd imagine he'd go for the Irish national. Whether he'd be as effective on spring ground would be your question.
0: Okay. Yeah, that heavy ground form. Um what about Tully Hill, TC? Uh, a big market mover, the big slice, uh, it... price slash for Tully Hill in the Supreme off the back of what he did at Punchestown. Obviously, just the listed race over the two miles, but now six to one for the Supreme from 20s. Either was he too big beforehand or is he too short now? But either way, did the performance warrant quite such a slash of his price?
3: Uh, well, he's actually been back again this morning. Um, Oh. now that six has been clipped into five in the last five minutes or so with with the sportsbook and it's just mirroring a move for him on the exchange as well I mean he actually beat the third uh, a bit further than the uh, mystical power did um uh, jugora so yeah and it visually very impressive we know what a good bumper horse he was yeah and it sounds like You know, Willie Mullins has got a shuffle. He's now got the first three in the betting for the Supreme, so a lot of Ballyburn Supreme backers are getting a bit nervous. Um, Yeah, and obviously he's got mystical power as well, so it's going to be an anxious three and a half weeks for whoever's back to whoever from Willie Mullins for the Supreme, because well, Dave might uh, wean out of Willie Mullins before uh, 9.59 on Sunday, just before the festival, but um, yeah, it's um, he's got a, he's got all of a sudden he's got because you remember when we were talking about this when Jericho de Repone was a short freeze for the previous yeah. few months back and now obviously Jericho's 12s and plus and bigger on the exchange and William Mullins has suddenly charged in with free market leaders so yeah it's been fascinating where it goes but yeah as as regards that performance you'd you'd have to be you'd have to be very worried about him. Uh, no matter what uh, what kind of horse you've got, yeah, yeah, I can fully see why the money came for him every day after the race and, and has continued to do this morning.
0: As TC said, Dave, the supreme market has been something we've kind of been following with interest, really, as the performances have come and kind of gone uh, in regards to the supreme horses. And this is kind of another, not curveball, obviously, deserved market um you know, it deserved, as TC said, for him to be so short in market on the back of the performance. But it has been quite the ever-changing market.
1: It has. I mean, the theme was that Mullins Horses were so slowly out of the blocks, weren't they? I mean, Tully Hill beating long odds on, Ballyburn beating long odds on. and Yeah. Thought, has he actually got an average crop? Is it? Is that what it is? And then, wham, bam, bam, whatever it was, trained for the spring. I agree with TC. I think the thing with Tully Hill it clouds a pitch with Ballyburn because they're they're very similar, aren't they? Strong travelling horses you'd go forward with. I um, mean, Mystical Power's the one who's got a turn of foot, change of gear that we seem to see in that Moscow flyer. Willie was said I was lucky enough to be there last week on a, a trip with the Race Racecourse and Willie was stressing that he, he wouldn't necessarily keep Ballyburn and Mystical Power apart. He could see both running in the same race. I'm not sure you could see all three running in. I was taken with Tully Hills jumping, he credited David Casey with that because he was awful. Even when he won... The second time, he wasn't good. He was much, much better in that department uh, at the weekend. And I, I, I think he's interesting. I just don't know. I don't know. What, he. They seem to be supreme with him, which would potentially open up Ballymore for, for Balbearing Bigham, should I say, for for Ballyburn. But I just don't know where they all fit. And Willie really won't decide. Till, we won't get it on it. We're, we're, there, we're <laughs> there again this week. For our, we won't have it. It will be like 59 on that
0: Sunday morning. I'm quite sure. Did you the press trip, there was everybody was at the press trip, it seemed, Dave. I thought Oh no, but it was a very select you invite. <laughs> very select view. Well, do you know what's really funny as well is did anybody read Rough Scott's piece in the Times on Saturday? No, that, so I, I was at Newcastle Saturday night, twilight meeting, get home, and I always read the paper in bed, right? And I'm flipping through, I always go straight to the sports section, you know, quick flick through, quite tired. And I had to double check I downloaded the right edition because the Times headline is why City of Troy might be the best Aiden's ever had. And I was like, what? And it's a full, like, two-page spread article from Bruff Scott, an interview with Aidan O'Brien. And A, it seems to have fallen completely under the radar. B, it was fairly interesting. But C, it was like, who told Broth to do a Guineas preview on the on like the sixteenth of April, uh, February or whatever day it was? Um, and it I thought was Sunday times was it? Uh, Saturday.
3: That would be Sunday times. You wouldn't have done it.
0: It's difficult. Oh, it Saturday. Saturday.
3: Yeah. Right, okay. The so. times don't normally cover racing on on Saturdays, and then you just
0: yeah. No, it was Saturday. It was a Saturday. Definitely Saturday's edition. Sorry, because I was on my way. I was, It was after Newcastle. Anyway. Okay. It did just cross my mind that I wonder if Bruff Scott got invited to the Willie Mullins press tour but got lost and went to Valley Doyle instead, because it just seems so, like, misplaced, given yeah. the views we'd had all week.
2: And Aidan would be too polite to point it out to, wouldn't
0: he? <laughs> <you? laughs> oh, yeah, come on, Aidan. Oh, and Aidan. Come on, Aidan. That's that. Anyway, Brendan, that's an article for you to read like that. Yeah. Um, Shall we move on, Brendan? Let's talk about a couple of other Irish performers. Whilst we're on the topic, um Saint so Felician has been cut for the Grand Annual. Took him a fourth go to get off the mark over fences this season. He's a heavy ground specialist. These 14s for the Grand Annual is that in any way of interest to anyone?
2: You? Well, I mean, it has to be interesting because if that's the, the, the route they go, I mean. What, what price would he go? I mean, I thought he just had a very stiff mark last year in the Coral Cup, 149. They sent him off 9-2-5. And Robbie Power came back. Now, I mean, jockey excuses, of course. Sure. it's the easiest game in the world. But he said, oh, no, he didn't handle the soft ground. Now, I'm like you. I think he wants to. He wants to. But it ran bad. The ground was soft. Oh, he didn't handle the soft ground. So I don't know what to read into that. Uh, I, I would have some concern. I'm on the ground but he's, he's not a bad jumper he's inclined to take a little step to his left so you'd imagine Cheltenham uh, would, would suit him better th- than And he's got the right profile if his jumping holds up, obviously it's a different kettle of fish in a fiercely competitive handicap than it is lobbing around Goran but he, he seems to have a, a reasonably sound technique, he's an unexposed horse, I mean just by, based on what happened last year, he couldn't go off the colour of 14 to 1 if he ran in the race, could he?
0: No,
3: we, we should say the entries about yeah. the handicaps. Sorry, I well, yeah. should say the entries are out on on Tuesday on the twentieth. Yeah, well, no, would be interesting to see what Marky gets
2: because again, like I mean, he got one hundred and forty nine last year. I mean, and what he's done in his novice chases, you couldn't see him getting a hundred and forty nine. But the handicapper has to put the Gordon tax
3: on, right? And okay, God, I'm God. just making I'm just making the point that you want to see him enter. yeah, yeah.
0: Um, If we're talking about horses that I I think might need the heavy ground, uh, Dave, then Salva surely is one of those. He's been cut to 10-1 to from four tees for the Triumph, Eights for the Boodles now. Uh, A leading juvenile for Gary Moore, but I think it would be no surprise if we didn't see him, maybe not even again this season.
1: Yeah, I think it'd be a miserable challenge if he did turn up, only in terms of weather. Very deep ground. I mean, Gary said as much as that. I mean, he'd make no appeal for Boodles, would he? Even in testing ground, he's a Grade Two winner. We know he's going to get twelve stone, and he's not been plotted up for that. Look, he's a really nice horse, a big sort as well, uh, a bit like Madsborough, horses that don't look like juvenile hurdlers. He's one for next year for for Gary, but we are entering the difficult second season syndrome. Then for him, of course, aren't we? But yeah, they're be- talking about
0: this, um, sort of three mile chaser in time, aren't they? Like that seems to be the chat around him. He's got
1: the size and scope, hasn't he? He's, he's, he's a big lad, you know. You know, he's going to progress physically at least.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He's intriguing. And on that note, we're talking about the Moors. Obviously, Jamie Moore announced his retirement this week, forced upon him due to injuries he's incurred in the fall. A good few months ago now, you know, isn't going to be able to come back from that. It's had a lot of coverage, TC. Um, But I don't know if you saw the interview you did on Luck on Sunday. It was actually with Rishi Passad. I mean, I know we know that the Moors as a family are just incredibly likable, professional Good people, but my God, Jamie comes across well, doesn't he? Just in everything he does.
3: Yeah, everyone, everyone's that one's got a real bad word to say about him, have they? A no. um, liar. No wonder why he's packing up. He. I think he said when he, the specialist looked at him, he said he's got, he's got bleeds on the brain. He looks like a car crash victim. It's yeah. kind of like you know they're shrugging off. a lot of people could be going down and lying in the darkened room for the next six months after after analysis like that. But yeah, I mean, like that. I mean, he's always comes across as a, like a likable guy, but my, I wouldn't like, like a right hander off him. He's built like a bloody tank, isn't it? Yeah, and that I happens in of 10 stone too, but he's like, he's, he's, his chest must be about 16 stone. He just looks, well, the eye said he's likable, but I wouldn't like to get on the wrong side of him.
0: You know, um, the news broke the day I was at Newcastle. It was on Thursday, and so obviously I'm there with the jump jockeys. And there's like a lot of Northern lads there, but the likes of Brian Hughes were there and came out and sort of, you know, said a nice few kind words about Jamie. But I thought Brian's interview was the most telling because he's a man of few words anyway, right? And you often have to ask a few questions to get him going. And this was a one question take, and he just went for, you know, went for it with what he wanted to say, all the superlatives, but kind of he was basically saying there aren't enough superlatives but actually on that note of tc of sort of like how tough he is and how he's built he said you know i've seen him take falls that you just think he you know he's not going to be able to ride from or whatever and he gets back up and he shakes it off i mean he's clearly as tough as they come um but also uh brian was fleshing out i asked him like you know when he when all the jockeys came out for the guard of honor Asked the Queen by the Champion Chase with the de like, who makes that decision? You know, in the weighing room, like, who says, come on, lads, let's all go out? And he said he was there that day and he said, it's not really like that. It's just like a unanimous feel of, like, let's all go out. It's like, it's not like someone sort of takes it upon themselves. I just thought, how nice. Imagine being that respected. I mean, never mind the guard of honor. When I retire, I think people will just be like, get in, result. <laughs> uh i joke obviously uh but anyway we wish him a very happy retirement and he's going to have plenty to cheer about with the likes of salva on the team going forward for his dad and co um other quick horses to mention brendan quick rattle through uh langtree lady 25 to so the Mares' hurdle lightly raced improver do you have anything to add for her she's just another price cut from this weekend well, she,
2: I mean, she's been wildly impressive and two starts now. I assume she had a little setback that we haven't seen her make her seasonal debut until on, on, till last weekend. But I mean, the seconds now, she put her to the sword in, 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 in no time, jumped well, travelled beautifully. Um, she's only ever run on deep ground. She's only had two starts. I'll be surprised if they pitch her in at Cheltenham. Uh, the sort of the the early Easter nooms a little large, doesn't it? Because the you know that two and a half mile graded hurdle in in Fairy House, for launch run at last year. Now she she's only ever run over two miles, but she knows she, she she should be all right at two and a half. But. That's not going to be a very deep race, is it, given that it only comes uh, less than two weeks after Cheltenham. So I'll be surprised if the HDB has that circled for a little bit of that uh, week grade two action.
0: Okay, week grade, a little bit of week grade two action. Just what we're after, Brendan. Uh, and another great mention for Search for Glory has also been cut, still a pretty big price, but for the Albert Bartlett 25s, uh, when the novice hurdle at Clonmel, was it, Brendan, this week as well?
2: Oh yes, very f- f- filthy conditions. They went to they went to sensible pace. Um, he, I, I'm not sure. It. It's hard to crib the horse because he did he did win the race, but he, he's looking hard re- hard work at an early stage in his career. I wouldn't be surprised if he if he goes a, a bit sour. But uh, whether he goes sour or not, he won't be a factor
0: I'd go a bit sour if I was asked to run down that top bend hill, yeah, hill as well. Allux for that, no thing <laughs> um, Geez, Louise. Uh, Right, let's move on. Footsteps of the Festival, guys. Just two races to cover this week. It is week seven of Footsteps of the Festival. Of course, now, pretty much shamelessly, all our focus is going to be on the antipost markets for Cheltenham. Uh, This week, we're looking at Champion Bumper and the National Hunt Chase. We will start, Dave Ord, with you and the Champion Bumper. Um, Dominated kind of by, you know, the names you would expect to see at the top of this market. We've got Jasmine DeVoe in here at five to one. Jalon Dujeres at 11-2, game for the Mullins team again at 7-1, Romeo Coolio in there, Tishan, you ought to know. I mean, these are all, like, you're going to have to flesh this out for me because I must say this bumper division has not been one that has caught my imagination or focus yet this season. Is that a fair comment?
1: It's a very fair comment. I think it just hasn't caught fire at all, really. That, again, same thing with the novice Hiddlers. Mullins were so slow out the blocks. They could barely had a bumper winner full stop before Christmas. One or two since have put themselves towards the head of the market, but I, I always got the impression, the feeling was that Gordon had the, the strength in depth with the sort of, um, young stock this time around, the, the bumper horses, he was the one potentially making A before Willie clicked into top gear. But um, the one that, he, and last time I was on, I'm sure we could, we got stuck into this horse saying that he didn't do much on on debut except with that. Romeo Coolio was one that I keep coming back to. Given the... The tall home reputation. And if I watched the replay, again. I thought he did quite well. He was a crawler. he's a stayer, he's a horse that they keep saying once an end-to-end gallop. Gordon remains adamant he's an absolute top-notcher. Well, Gordon's had enough absolute top-notchers of his answer no one when he's got one. And I, I just I think Elliot might win the bumper this year. That's my bold claim. You are five to six each of your two normally anyway. Aren't you? And I think it might just be Romeo who comes out on top, but he's a finger-in-the-air job at the minute, I'm afraid.
0: No, we can take that. We like a bold claim as well, so we love that from you. Uh, TC, what about you with this champion bump market? I'm well aware it's not something that you will be having a bet in at this stage, I very much doubt, but how are you viewing it at the moment and have you found something that is in some way a value price? I think,
3: I won't steal Brendan's thunder because he mentioned a horse at 40s uh, two or three weeks ago, which is now a big runner about between 10s and 40s, but I think this is one race where the entries, and they come out on the February the twenty seventh, are going to be crucial because a lot of these horses haven't run for a while, and a lot of the time you only know about setbacks, etc., when you get to the entry stage, especially with very lightly race horses like this. So it will be interesting to see if Baby Kate um, is is confirmed for the race because she was meant to go for uh, the DRF, but I think she missed that. It might be with coughing, which probably doesn't augur very well. But I, I like horses. Mullins sent her over to have a sighter at Cheltenham earlier on the season, and she won quite well. Now, the form isn't the form isn't worth, you know, a great deal uh, at all. I think the second come out of one, but has been stuffed twice since. So I'm not sure about the actual substance of the form, but I like the fact that, the, like I said, they have a sighter. you know, she's got the breeding, she's out of Augusta Kate. Um, so I, I thought, you know, that was interesting, but she's around about, you know, near enough 50 on the exchange, so this is the kind of race I know it's not we want, you know what you want me to say, but I think here, be a bit careful until you see if they're entered for the race. Because, like I said, that Bailey Cape, for example, hasn't been out since October. And uh, I'd like to see her confirmed for the race before uh, I start punting.
0: Okay. Like it, though. We're throwing another name into the mix. Um, Brendan, is the horse TC is referring to called the Yellow Clay by any chance?
2: The yellow clay, yeah. I mean, they, I don't think he was 40s now. Uh, well, he was 41 when finishing fourth in that good bumper at the D R F and often has 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 a major impact uh, on the Cheltenham bumper. Uh, but I think he was around 20s at the time. There has been there has been a little nibble for him, but I mean, I don't even know if the horse has got to run. The fact that it went off 40s is the interesting thing because he was an unbeaten unbeaten in two bumpers for Gordon Elliott. Now they were four-year-old bumpers which traditionally are a little bit weak, and the horse hadn't run for a year. But anyway, I mean, he's one of the most obvious eye catchers of the season, so uh, obviously I spotted him. Uh, I mean, stopped, (laughs) stopped stopped in his tracks uh, uh, behind the Emmett Mullins horse, who's now out for the season, um, would definitely have finished second. You could make a case. I mean, it was was really serious interference to the jockey. Effectively gave up after that. Only gave him one backhander because his chance was gone. He was conceding £3 to the Emmett Mullins horse, whose name unfortunately escapes me. But uh, the, he, 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 so, so that would have a bit of a closer... Whatever it's called. That's it. Thank you, guys. Um, so if, if that's the, if that race is as strong as it normally is and is as good a guide as it normally is to the Cheltenham bumper, then he's he's probably a little bit over, even at 12 to 1. But again, I, I don't know if the plan is to run him in the Cheltenham bumper, but presumably it is because... And uh, Kevin, when we were talking about this horse, was at the opinion that they just decided to give him another season of bumpers because he needed more tie because he was only turning five. So they might as well, might as well run. him. what else have they got to do? And he has some sort of a chance in a race that's five to one the field. I mean, I mean, who knows?
3: Dave, Dave might have been there. But I think Gordon Elliott had a, a, a Cheltenham stable tour last week. Or I, I read one somewhere. I can't, can't remember where it was. And uh, he obviously doesn't listen to you, Brendan, because apparently he was putting this up as a dark horse for the champion bumper when you told everyone three weeks previously. Oh, I, I, mean, God. I, mean, well, maybe I think the plan I I plen- is the plen-
0: to grow. That's, that's okay.
3: It. Yeah,
2: yeah, he, 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 he'd have some sort of a sleek. I mean, but well, I don't even know if I'd back him. I mean, the chances are I won't even watch this race. Who cares? It's a bumper. <laughs>
0: it is a bumper but we all get terribly excited about it you know how it is in the moment when you're there i promise you you just get swept up in it um dave let's move on to the national and chase this i a love this race b i'm i i'm finding it fascinating this year uh nine to four favorite is embassy gardens for with team Willie Mullins, and that interview he gave after he won the last day was pretty telling in the sort of horse he thinks this Embassy Gardens is. Uh, but he'll be taking on, it looks like, sort of almost certainly, Corbett's Cross for team JP and Emmett Mullins, who I'm also a massive fan of at seven to two. Did I think this is where he was going to end up, Corbett's Cross at the start of the season? Maybe not, but I love him and I'm intrigued for it in, in him in, for this race. Seven to one, Nick Rocket. Salvador Ziggy, same price. Three-card Bragg in there. Flooring Porter, the talented individual it is, but of course somewhat wayward. Meeting of the Waters is priced up at 10 to one as well. Um, really interesting race this, Dave. Where did you end up and is your focus like mine at the top of the market versus something at a bigger price?
1: It's very clear that Embassy Gardens is the Mullins' number one, isn't it? He doesn't think he's going to run Nick Rocket. He's going to stay at home for something, which I presume might be something at Fairy House, etc. He's going to thin down that Mullins team. I think the race is going to cut up a bit as well. Flooring Porter, Gavin Cromwell, is definitely more than a little tempted to go stay his hurdle with him. We were speaking to him on Monday evening. I'd say he was leaning firmly towards a stay his hurdle rather than going here. Um, And Corbett's Cross, they've got to keep the wheels back on, haven't they? After what happened last time. Um, emmett we spoke to emmett he gave nothing away as you would, wouldn't expect but it, it's the only race of now, but he wasn't 100% certain they'd get there so th- i think there's one or two holes in this national hunt chase um uh, what you take what you take advantage with i don't know embassy guards is excited he's obviously had two runs over fences it's not your normal national chase sort of profile but i thought broadway boy for the for the brave british team um is overpriced at 14 to 1 given forget Warwick I mean that was a speed test that didn't suit him at all and I think he's got plenty of Cheltenham calls for him he stays all day he jumps well gets into a good rhythm but if I was having a bet right now I'd be looking at him at 14 to 1 he, even get a decent pair if he chases all members gardens
0: and do you think not only, I, my theory with him at what last time at Warwick was obviously the track yes but maybe sort of one arse too far at that point in the season
1: yeah it seemed almost an unnecessary run didn't he he got bags of experience a lot of others would have freshened him up and waited for Cheltenham. Yeah, yeah, maybe a busy campaign took a bit of a toll. The plenty of times get getting right now, but he was being a long way out, wasn't he? He was down the back straight for that second time. He knew it wasn't wasn't for him that day. But I'd be confident he could bounce back in this national nice chase.
0: Yeah, he's too, he's too generous a horse for that to be in any way his running or a form line to take seriously. And he is so generous that you do just think that his races probably do take something out of him. But like you say, he's going to have had plenty of time to freshen up for March. So. Uh, he's so likable. I can totally see the angle there with that, uh, Brendan. I'm I'm going to take a swing. You'll probably be sticking with the home team for this race, are you?
2: Well, unfortunately, as as you know, uh, you you're not putting your hand up to my agent for Cheltenham previews because it's just bad, 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 What's the point having bah, this bah, I bah, bah, bah. But I'm trying to agree with yourself and uh, Dave, you in terms of the way. Willie talks about uh, the, the Embassy Gardens. I suspect that he might be his only runner of the race. He's just there, look, Patrick, we've got this. I'm not running anything else. And you could have Nick Rocket and his other contenders slip away to the Irish National. Very valuable race. Why wouldn't you go for the Irish National? I wouldn't be shocked if Gordon had won of the Irish National with Salvador Ziggy as well. So I agree with Dave that This race could cut up. I don't think Corbett's cross. He, well, he, he's never struck me as a dower stayer. So I I, I think this, the trip is a massive worry for him. Embassy Gardens, the layers, what have they got going for them? I suppose he did blow in the Albert Park of last year, but he was much more keen over hurdles than he's showing over fences. I mean he's settled beautifully fences uh, jumping fences, gets into a great rhythm, putting 10 lengths into Sander again, that you know he's a he's, he's a pretty smart horse. That that was a big run. I could see. I mean, he's nine to four. I know that, so it's ridiculous to did I suppose to be chipping up fast. But would it shock you if this horse went off five to four? It wouldn't shock me.
0: No, I, I I'm not going to have too much of a go at you for that. I, I can totally see what you're getting at, and yeah, um, seems like he's very much the number one horse for Team Mullins. Uh, TC, do you have any other insight for us for this race at this stage? Yeah, I was, I was kicking
3: my heels on Saturday morning, so I had a could couple of hours at this race um
0: what does kicking your heels mean
3: kicking your heels mean i was just waiting for i was waiting for someone to come around and i had two hours spared and so basically kicking your heels means you're just killing time basically until something happens ah i think so unless it's one of your you
0: know how i read that and obviously we get this so wrong with my terminology so i wasn't irish dancing don't worry bad. I, I was thinking, oh, he's like jumping for joy, Irish dancing. That's what I thought that meant.
3: No, no, no. no I don't do jigs. I do jugs, but not jigs. <laughs> quite, well, I, I mean, I mean, jugs as in yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah uh, but yeah, so 11 of the 18 entries, we've only got 18 entries as well 11 of the 18 are, are double entered. Um, so you better hope Willie Mullins doesn't talk too highly of embassy gardens because he might end up in the browns so in addition to the 11 of the 18 have not double entries three in the race were involved in that very very tough and, and close finish in the three mile novice chase at Ascot on saturday so whether or not they will turn out again after that and i think ben Pauling basically said henry's friend isn't going to take up his Cheltenham he so he's one of those three apple away and kilbert king with the other two um so, yeah, I think this is right for it. I can, I can see Broadway Boy. He was the one I was gravitating towards, but will they go browse with him? Um, and the horse I came down of, in fact, I haven't backed him yet, but I will do uh, before this goes out. Um, I came down quite firmly on Salvas or Ziggy. Uh, now, again, he is in the Browns, but, you know, he, like he, he, I right, said, the horrible phrase, but he does tick every single box. Now, I grant you he hasn't been out since going to the U.S., in October for the Grand National Hurdle uh, over there, but obviously Gordon did the very similar thing with Galvin. He he went from October to winning this race, and it sounds like Selby Ziggy is coming here now. If that's the case, he comes here with excellent Shelton form, second in attempts. He comes here with probably his Kerry National second off 150 to Foxy Jackson. You know, he's a, he's a decent horse, ran well, uh, you know, at Cheltenham the, in the cross country nonsense afterwards. I think that Kerry National form is probably the single best piece of form in the race. And with Gordon saying last week that he's targeted this race uh, and come here fresh deliberately, uh, I think Salvador Ziggy is a very, very good bet at sevens in a race, as Brendan said, that could come up massively. And what what actually encourages me further, I just had a look on the exchange this morning, and there's been a few nibbles around from him. He's currently about 8.2, with with more crucially, someone's looking to back him at 9, which suggests that the 7-1 to one, uh, is a very fair price. So, Salvador Ziggy's the best horse in the race, uh, with Cheltenham form, and if Gordon's true to his word, he's going to come here, and he'll come here as the best horse going into the race.
0: Okay. Like it. All right. Different names then thrown into the mix. We can move on. Uh, that is a very short, really, footsteps of the festival done, just the two races. A uh, couple of news stories to cover from the week that was. Nothing too dramatic, thank God. But there's been a bit of, I was going to say mudslinging, bitchiness TC. I don't really know what the right adjective is, but between the PJA chief executive Paul Struthers and the BHA, following on from... Um, the Curtis Wilson Ruddock case, that's the uh, apprentice jockey who has been cleared of failing to provide a urine sample drug test on the grounds of his ADHD, which is um, a disorder he, the BHA knows this jockey has. It had caused him to forget to do his test. He then offered it up. There's lots of details in and around this case, TC, and I'll throw to you here. But it's ended up with the Professional Jockeys Association, Paul Struthers, Calling the situation thoroughly depressing and the BHA biting back a little bit as well, by all accounts. It's got a little bit catty, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, I mean, the BHA calls Strubbers' comments and allegations questionable and irresponsible, which coming from the BHA, who normally kind of like probably do these things behind closed doors, that's very punchy language. Um, obviously, Strubbers is totally depressed in his words about how this even came to pass because uh the jockey in question has got this uh disorder and apparently he couldn't access his medication uh, because he had a ruck with his girlfriend and he couldn't get in the house. So the BHA knew all of this and still pressed on with it. Um so that's why Strubbers is thought Strubbers is you know he he's like I said he's he's really kind of up, up in arms about this. And I think the background to this is I think Paul Shovels is putting down the marker here because the PGA in recent years, stroke months, has been quite weak. And with Strubbers coming back on board, I think the BHA can can expect more of this as and when the situation uh, demands and dictates. Uh and it's like I say, the BHA have come back and said that he's irresponsible because he hasn't seen the written the written kind of like uh, you know, the written findings. But uh yeah, I mean as as BHA uh, comments go, saying that about uh, the chief exec of the PGA is uh, is uh, quite, uh, quite something.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you say, the comments are a little bit surprising from a governing body uh, on both sides, really, Dave, I think it's fair to say. And I can kind of see both sides of the coin here, as in the BHA were just following the rules, doing their job and have come out by clearing this lad of failing to provide the urine sample and Paul Struthers is saying that they should have taken on board his ADHD and the reasoning and the circumstances surrounding that day, the fact he went back and offered to obviously do a test that same day at a different track. He then did a clear test just a few days later. You know, there's lots of detail here, but I, to be honest with you, I can kind of see both sides of the coin. I mean, this bit fence city, but is that fair?
1: No, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, the BHA said they haven't got the written reason, so they couldn't comment. That's why they thought that they came out. I mean, like Tony, totally it's not what you expect to see BHA spokesman yeah. saying in a, a press release. I think there's definitely that element as well that TC mentioned there, that this is Paul Sutter showing the new PGA. We've got backbone now. We've got teeth. We're going to come out firing for our for our members and defend them and re- react in a way that we haven't done necessarily over the last three or four years. But yeah, it, it seemed like it's a strange the battleground to be sort of drawn in, into action on this this particular case. But um, yeah, when the full written reasons come out, maybe we will get a comment from the BHA. Yeah. I mean,
0: there might be more to come from this, but um, yeah, a little bit surprising on both sides, I think personally. Uh... Yeah, well, no, no, it's just, um, it's, different, it's different. Like, sort of
2: reference the, um, The Equalities Act, Uh, you know, I mean, this is all fine. As an employee, Vanessa, I'm a huge fan of employee legislation. It's very hard to get fired short of shooting your employer in the face. And you would probably (laughs) have grounds for a bill after that. uh, you're, 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 You're not getting fired. But you do have to bear in mind that a governing body is it is, is responsible for trying to make sure uh, a sporting government body should I say that the sport is clean. So people come up with all sorts of excuses and they get all sorts of exemption based on doctors' notes and what have you. So I'd be I'd be like you. I'd have some sympathy for them in this case.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um quick line from you, Brendan. Milton Harris is now not appealing uh his license ban. That there was talk of him appealing mm. and now he is not appealing. Uh, kind of not really surprising, given the conversation we had on this pod at the time. Uh, it was hard to understand where the appeal angle would be. Is that right?
2: Yes, per- 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 perhaps he's listened to people. He, he 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 strikes me as a well, he's a, I mean, he's a very unusual character. Dare I say, half of a Walter Mitty character? But um, he he wouldn't strike me as someone who tests the waters or, or, or listens to feedback. But clearly, someone. That he does listen to said to him. You're a million here, so <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I, I think he's made the right decision. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think I think we can all agree with that. And of course, TC, um It'll be interesting to see how that pans out with the chap who's got the uh, temporary license. Is it? Like,
3: yeah, Tony Charlton. Tony,
0: yeah. Only, yeah. How, what do we do? We have any details on that? Just throwing. Right I know that's not on the running order, but just
3: I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought he'd had any difficulties unless he's a. Uh... Yeah, but obviously we've seen any number of kind of like trainers that have been banned for a certain amount of time and that Y-Overson, et cetera, taking over. So I wouldn't have thought there'd be any problem with a transition, providing he's not a fellow ruler.
0: Right. Interesting. We will see how that all transpires. Final word to Maureen Mullins, who sadly passed away this week. Uh, There's been lots of nice pieces about Maureen Mullins. She was into her 90s. Uh, passed away after a a very short illness, essentially, and obviously head of the Mullins dynasty, along with her late husband, Paddy Mullins himself. And I suppose it's a real celebration this one, Dave, because of a life well lived. I mean, what a way to live your life the way she has, you know, to have done what she's done in her life and to have produced the children and the grandchildren she has through her line, and then to go out the way she did, and I think, uh, I'm sure you all read it, but Patrick Mullins did that lovely piece in The Post uh, where he just, there were some great lines in there, one in particular, which I just think is so brilliant. It really made me think I should live my life more like this. She, he said, she never said no. Do you want to go racing? Do you want to go watch horses Gallop at the Curra? Do you want lunch? Do you want to go pull donuts in the car park at Mace? Yes was always the answer, and everything we did was always marvellous. And I just thought, what a way to live your life, that.
1: Wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, I think celebration's exactly the right word. I mean, what a life. And she was always the first one to want to be there for the Cheldon Festival. I remember the COVID year. They were trying to move Evan and her to make sure she she could go along. The legacies there through the people, the stories, and even the horses. I mean, Patrick's piece is wonderful. An absolutely fantastic piece of writing. And yeah, dying at 92 after life like that is one to celebrate and just The the mark that she's made on racing in Ireland and Britain is just phenomenal and, yeah, time to celebrate the life.
0: Yeah, and again, the final quote from that piece, again, Just these are my two favourite sections, but last one to go out with. She was always elegant, never a hair out of place. She was always interested and interesting from a different era, yet moving around entirely comfortable in this one. Just perfect, absolutely perfect. And on that note... We are going to say goodbye, boys. Thank you guys so much, as always. Dave, it's always a pleasure to have you on. You have plenty. Uh, so thank you for stepping in. TC and Brendan, as always, a joy. Oh, why are you pulling that face, Brendan?
2: Sorry, low sun, low sun. But
0: that... Ah, low sun. <laughs> you be jumping those hurdles, would you? No. Uh... He, should, he should have pulled out the podcast. So that was... <laughs> right. Uh, on that note, guys, join us again, obviously, on Thursday. We'll be on Racing Only Better. Looking ahead to the weekend's racing. But for now, thank you very much for watching. Have a good week, everyone. That was Wade End.